Welcome to Aww Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yes. Yeah. And we're at the very end, the final chapter, chapter five of BPRD 1947. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, we're going to get right into it. We have no segments for you, folks. Yeah, I'll uh, let you know. <laughs> let's, let's get into it. It's written by Mike Mignola and Joshua Dysart. Illustrated by Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley. This last one was published in November 2009. And yeah, oh, let's talk about this cover too. This yeah. This Mignola cover. When I first saw it, I was like, is Rasputin going to show up? 100% makes was, sense to think fully, that. I think that that's, I think they're intentionally like faking you out a little bit. It's such a distinct like guy holding up a flaming sword with glowing eyes like it looks exactly like depictions of Rasputin we've seen before yeah I mean and it's just a silhouette yeah with the eyes and the sword and definitely we've seen him in that pose 100% you could be like "Ooh, is he gonna be coming back what the hell is he doing here (laughs) he's frozen at this point so or is is he, he, oh yeah, or, I mean maybe he is. I'd have to look at I his forget. whole history, yeah, but we definitely timeline. if he if we don't know what he's up to, it's definitely he hasn't run into Broom yet. So. Yeah, but anyway, he's a, a, a shadowy figure holding a glowing flaming sword, glowing glowing green. Yeah, too. green flames is dead in the center. Then we have Simon in the foreground looking bad, like. Wow. Yeah, blood like pouring from his neck and he just looks gaunt and sickly. And then bats flying uh, kind of like just all around him. And then a huge skull headed bat, you know, <laughs> like a vampire skull bat in the background. It's really neat. Yeah. I really and I like this hand reaching up for him, too. We don't know whose hand that is yet, but we'll see really yet. shortly. Yeah, it's very cool, like, knowing what we're about to read, just knowing, like, what they're sort of trying to capture in sense of the the final chapter of this. Yeah. And I do really like, I like this Kirby Crackle coming off of this, the, um, behind of the classic, like, sort of framing uh, flame, I'm going to call it a framing flame of Mignola's, but with Crackle behind that giant vampire <laughs> bat. <laughs> yeah, it gives you a sense of like not it's not just smoke, there's like some other energy happening back there. Yeah. Which we we'll see, cool. you know, basically like an exorcism or something. Yeah, and I like how like the drip on the neck is just like a it's almost like a ribbon. Just like a sheet of blood. <laughs> yeah. You know. It just seems dire. Really good cover though. And I love just Stuart's coloring in general, but I yeah, love it totally. like the three variations of eyes, like the skull, vampires, like this sort of very, I don't know, like a green that's very like, like subdued. Yeah. Then you got that glowing eyes of the figure in the middle and then just like these dead, <laughs> like empty, grotesque, brownish green on. Yeah, Anders. yeah. <laughs> and then like, I mean, he does this so well, like really subtle color changes, even with like the ribs highlighted on the vampire bat in the background like they're slightly different colors you know he's like light is being cast a little different the light on the wing is like a little brighter at the bottom and then a little like greener and bluer at the top but it's like pretty subtle and just gives it so much texture and life and everything it's really cool yeah very dynamic yeah hell yeah 
Hell yeah. And then it starts off with, uh, we see like the plane, kind of that Hellboy was looking at in the previous issue. There's like a plane flying 62 hours after the rescue of BPRD field agent Simon Anders. And a car, like a black car, is being escorted into the base. A guy dressed almost as a priest is there, like a very, very old man. Very short. Uh, either he's because of his aging hunch, uh, like his bones. Yeah, I feel like he's just like bending over. shrunken with age. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Ota Benga. And Trevor welcomes him. They clearly have known each other for many years. He's like... How's your uncle? Yeah, so this guy's like known Trevor since he was a boy from the way that they're talking. Hellboy and his dog are standing there <laughs> just watching this guy arrive. And yeah, um, Mr. Benga seems to be wary of Hellboy a little bit. Like he kind of pauses to look at him. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. But then he's kind of like back to not quite like cheerful, but he's like, you know, asking about the base, how everything is. Trevor's like, we can rest if you're tired from your trip. He's like, no, I better get right to Simon and see if I can get those demons out. We see Simon in a cot looking so pale and bad. Oh, yeah. He's covered with like little bandages all over. I guess like little scratches or cuts where maybe these the sisters were like just torturing him kind of yeah just dipping their teeth the yeah. little things in occasionally <laughs> yeah and he's like pretty far gone we got jacob here and he's like talking about the fact that he thinks simon should be in a hospital rather than here at the bprd and like he doesn't think that any kind of exorcism is going to work despite having seen like all this crazy shit go down right you know and like Dr. Bang or not Dr. Banga, Mr. Banga, the former priest is telling him, like, if your people are going to fight, then they should see they should understand what they're fighting. Jacob gets like super pissed. He's like, uh, yeah, I've seen what I was fighting. It was horrible. And we lost some good men. And, and Broom basically tells him, like, shut up. This has to happen. <laughs> Hellboy's just outside with his ball and his dog kind of like waiting. It's sort of like that. What's very interesting is I think we, we touched on a little bit last issue, but this is also hitting it again is like all this stuff that's around Hellboy, right? Yeah. Broom's not including him yet. Of course, it's because he's a child, but like it is interesting. And it's like dangerous stuff. Well, he's just outside, <laughs> not aware of the like these things that he will eventually play a bigger part in it. Yeah. One as an agent, eventually, but also as a heart, this, you know, Anung Un Rama. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, that. that's the saddest part of this whole issue. But then, well, so we have um, Mr. Banga is, like, starting to just, like, call for, like, call, like, God forth and be, you know, expel the demons and stuff like that, doing, like, mm -hmm. some cool exorcism stuff. We have, like, a couple of pages of, like, mentally and like you know on another plane kind of what's happening they're like sisters torturing simon mm -hmm. and then banga appearing in like a he's like hooded and shrouded and sort of like casting them out he draws a flaming sword and they're like hissing at him and doing like your you know what what vampires do they're crawling up the wall. Benga's continuing to tell, you know, expel them from Simon's body and mind. While he's doing this, Hellboy pops in. Professor, will you play baseball with me? <laughs> Professor Broom's like, not now. Outside kicks him out like 
in the middle of this like potentially dangerous exorcism, I would assume. <laughs> yeah. Although it looks like, you know, physically what they're looking at doesn't seem to be much, but it's this is all happening like metaphysically, this like battle between Banga and these vampires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he kicks Hellboy out. That's so sad. He's like, not now, outside. Okay, but when? Like, after the door's already slammed in his face. Like, oh. So, you yeah. know, he's like, he's having a tough time. Not everybody, you know, his dad basically is not playing with him. Benga continues to expel the vampires. And they're, like, sort of whirling around and being, you know, like, pushed back by the power of God and the flaming sword and everything. And there's like a lot of great language in here, you know, a lot of great exorcism language. I cast you out, unclean spirits, by the mysteries, by the coming of the Lord for judgment. Like you get the impression that it's like this like booming voice saying it and the vampires are starting to like cower at the power of God being brought before them and stuff. Meanwhile, Hellboy's kicking in dust outside. I like in that moment right before we cut to the Hellboy kicking dust up outside. Yeah. Like the vampires make a move to like grab for his hood and they that's how we reveal yeah, like, like it's a young bingo yeah yeah and i love that the blood of the martyrs commands you yeah <laughs> he's like slashing the sword around a little he's like pretty much always holding it up but kind of like moving it towards them like facing it towards them and as he's continuing his exorcism jacob's like how much more of this he's like he's just pissed he's like yeah simon should be in a hospital Margaret's telling Jacob, you know, you got to trust Professor Broom. He knows what he's doing. Jacob says, Professor, uh, Professor got us into that mess, like in the first place. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of questioning Broom. You know, two of his, you know, whatever colleagues died on this mission already. And like, he's already seen some horrible shit. So he's got some like anger towards Broom. Like, understandably, I guess. Totally. Benga continues to expel the vampires i like this like kind of like pushing them into this like a room you know like yeah. this big open door he's pushing them back into it they're saying the vampires are saying the man is ours we will never leave even when he is for worms dry bones uh he will never be rid of us so like Bango closes this huge door but they're like insisting that they'll stay there but he like shuts the vampires into this door and seals them with this symbol it's kind of like almost looks like a pie symbol to me a little bit but you know it's like slightly different but he like strikes it into the door with the sword it looks like really cool and then in this like physical realm you know he's kind of imprinting that into simon's skin it still looks like it's smoking. Like it still looks like some kind of magical, you know, little rune is being left there and as a scar. And then it's yeah, he's he's like, it's done. I thought you said I was gonna see something. I didn't see anything, says Jacob off to the side. He's like super pissed. He doesn't realize. Mr. Skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> Even after all he's seen, you know, he's just like worried, I'm sure. But then I think the real the the most interesting part of the issue is like happening from here to the end where Benga is kind of, you kind of see like a picture of Broom, his uncle, and Benga as a younger priest. Yeah, um, and Broom is a little boy. Yeah, and Broom is a kid. Broom's saying like, you know, I was hesitant to use supernatural means to fight the supernatural. We see a little 
like Vivara flashing in there for a second, <laughs> you know, looking at Bango with like distrust or something, or, you know, she's like kind of squinting her eyes at him, but she seems to disappear when he turns around. So like, or maybe does he like... see her? I'm, I'm curious because he, if we go to oh, the right, panel he progression turns and then she, I guess she's there the whole time. Like in the previous issue, Broom was saying, I guess you're here all the time. And yeah, she kind of yeah. said yes to that. So I'm almost like if he does acknowledge her, it's just he doesn't, he's not, he's just like, I have no business with her. You know what I mean? That makes sense. I think, I think that's, I think you're right. Yeah. Like maybe she is there the whole time, but like to another mortal person, she wouldn't be visible, but Benga can see past that like shroud or whatever is like hiding. Yeah. But he's just like, I I know he knows better not to interact with Vivara. Yeah. He's just going (laughs) to let that go. It's like, this isn't an imminent threat. (laughs) <laughs> but then he says, like, okay, so the ritual didn't work great. I sealed them up behind a door, but it could be a year, it could be 10 years, but they're going to bust back out, so um, you should kill Simon. Broom's like, that doesn't sound like a priest talking. And you kind of have another little flashback to when he was a priest in this old picture. Your uncle said almost that very thing the last time we spoke. It's been a very long time since I wore that collar. So he's kind of like recalling, you know, oh, sure, he was a priest, but then clearly something happened where he no longer calls himself a priest specifically, but is doing like, you know, he's performing exorcisms and stuff. He's still like, you know, um, invoking God for to like expel evil and stuff. So it's like an interesting character. Yeah. And maybe it's and maybe because there's such ancient language in that, like, when he's like pushing the vampires back, who knows if it's just, you know, I mean, religious text or. Well, that's he, kind of his point here is like, no matter what God you're worshiping. Yeah. It's all like one thing. It's all like one. Uh, you will find one truth no matter what statue of a God you're looking at. So like, I guess he's using, you know, he's saying God, but it's like may not be like Jehovah or something or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like he can just perform that because there's like one source of goodness or something in the world. And then he says all this other shit that's like, you know, in this war, sometimes the enemy will come roaring like a lion and sometimes it will whisper like a dove. You would do well not to try to take prisoners. And he's like, they're sort of talking about Simon, but they're really talking about Hellboy, of course. Benga says in this thing, in this like war, we are not given many gifts. We should seize them when they come. The devil lands on your doorstep. Weak, bears his throat. You should cut it. So clearly talking about Hellboy because they have like little uh, panels of Hellboy outside playing. Yes. As he's saying that stuff. I mean, what a, <laughs> what a just a blunt like. Yeah, he's like that. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's like the same as he recognizes probably Anung and Rama maybe to him rather than like Hellboy just appearing as a little boy in the same way that he can see Vivara, you know, maybe he can see the like future apocalypse version of Hellboy that, you know, everything that is like in tune with the metaphysical of this world can seems to recognize in Hellboy. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like, yeah. You should kill that thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's totally interesting that they wouldn't like, I don't even think it's a bad thing. I'm just, it's, it's curious that they didn't go so far as like show us like, like when Benga looks at him, yeah. like, sh- like show the crown above his head or something where it's just, we're left to just think that like, Oh yeah. 
I mean, that's Even my assumption re- because throughout the issue, I think like seeing him basically like Jacob saying Jacob kind of like being us, you know, like, yes. Oh, I don't see anything. So I, you know, it, just because it's not like perceptible to me, I don't see anything happening doesn't mean it's not happening. So in the same way, I feel like we're seeing Hellboy as a little boy or as the character that we love as an audience, whereas this like other character sees him as as a lot of characters in the book see him, the harbinger of the apocalypse. So he's like warning Broom about that, like you won't get a chance to kill him later. You should probably kill him now. And then it cuts to, you know, after he says you may not get the opportunity again. Bengus says that seemingly like as he leaves Trevor's office and we don't see Trevor's facial expression. So but we'll we'll see what he does in the next few pages. But it cuts to a panel of Jacob laughing and Simon and Margaret laughing. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe he's not going to be overcome by those like evil spirits right now. But for at the moment, he's living, you know, he's living. Yeah enjoying life and then we see trevor alone in his office he leaves and finally goes outside and says to hellboy how about that game of catch and they start playing and that's <laughs> the end as as we see uh Benga's car driving off off base and another cute drawing of hellboy yeah hellboy going for a catch <laughs> so yeah it's like broom being like yeah you know like leave like kind of being like well in, in the like immediately right now all he can do is help simon and all he can do is like trust Hellboy right now. Hellboy at this moment is like seemingly a good little kid, basically. He hasn't transformed into this like horrible demon that, you know, was expected of mm-hmm. of him when he was summoned. So yeah, yeah. it's a good one. Yeah, and to add to that, like what we've been talking about, like it, it's really what I like of what Mignola and Dysart did was what we talked about is like I'm glad he they don't show like a banga that can see like the crown or his future, right? Because I think if we flashed that as the reader, we would be like, yeah, if I could see that, I would have done this. I would I would do the same thing. You know what I mean? It keeps us in the footsteps as like as you said, Jacob, but even Trevor. Like I have to remind myself that like Trevor is a very intelligent man. Yeah, he's very knowledgeable, but he does not have any mid, like magical past like a. Uh, passport like ability to see the other side he just trusts it so it's it's like it's very smart that they kept us in his footsteps to be like i don't see anything other than this boy of a child that i'm going to do my best at raising (laughs) you know what i mean so that we never go oh he's a threat we just see it as oh he's this cute little fucking yeah. Little Hellboy going for a baseball catch, and, and it, the last it, four it's very cool really that you were that, dire. You know what I mean? Yeah. E- even you could argue that like it even started before shit got bad. It was already bad because Broom had already lost men on the previous mission in Russia. Yeah. And and vampires are now like you know out and about, but now we've like we've ended on like a, a bit of hope. Simon is as we can see in two panels is back to normal. Yeah. And Broom's just like yeah I'm gonna. As you already stated, treat Hellboy like a child. I'm gonna go play catch. I'll we'll cross that road, whatever has to come. I mean, it really is like an allegory for being a father. Or yeah. I think he thinks too, like he can just raise him, like be a good enough influence on Hellboy, where it's like about Hellboy's, like giving Hellboy this like ability to choose and want to be good, and his nature seems to be good. Everything that he's shown Trevor's 
is good so far. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and I, I think that's relatable to parents. I no, will most likely never be a parent. Don't plan on it. But, like, that's what parents, I think, their greatest fear is, right? Am I going to do right, this like wrong? you're going to, yeah, <laughs> raise a serial killer or something. And, like, in a sense, somebody else is telling you, they're going to be a serial killer. And you're like, well, no, I love them. I'm going to fucking give them a chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like all kinds of, you know, even if you're not a parent, it's just like just giving someone the benefit of the doubt or, like, Helping them now, it's like, oh, well, why why should we even do something if in 10 years it's going to be bad or gone? And then it's like, well, then you'll just never enjoy anything or, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think it resonates on a lot of different levels. It's really cool. I'm with you there. Yeah, totally. And just this drawing of Hellboy is real cute. I love how these brothers do them. Do Hellboy yeah. drawing. A little how baby Hellboy. Yeah. He is a cutie. Yeah. <laughs> Get his, like, big head. I really like... And, and, Speaking to his like him being cute and little boy, I, I love the the panel where when he does say, um, Benga says like you should cut it. I love that that's over. Like that very sprays of like pretty much cut kill him is yeah. literally him getting licked by his dog on the face and him just laughing with the big old smile. Right, right. <laughs> like that's a great panel and just like that contrast, that duality of like the what he appears to be and what somebody claims him to be is just yeah. so perfect yeah um but overall i mean do you have any other favorite panels or anything that stood out to you that you love about this final chapter yeah i mean just any really any panel of hellboy being cute and uh in his little jumpsuit uh <laughs> truly i think is so good um i like the vampire's when they're like first crawling up the wall, I think that's always fun. How about you? I mean, I do. I I really love like from behind when we first see Bingo like get out of the car, and we have like the behind the shut panel where we're looking we're looking at Hellboy's back and his dog's back as well. I literally yeah. love that. It's like a cool established sort of establishing shot. Yeah, I love. Again, it's Stu these brothers and then Stuart working together just through colors in the art, like really creating atmosphere like i know it seems basic but it's like oh we're in this we're in the desert you just get immediately off these colors that it's so dry you know what yeah. i mean immediately we have like i love that in the, in the hospital space or the the small clinic on this base they have is just very if it, through colors it's just very sterile yeah but then as soon as you go into this other world this other plane that Binga's working against the vampires in the colors just go wild. Super, super dramatic <laughs> colors and like stark color contrasts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. The shadows of the vampires is great. Totally. And like again, I love a shadow where you can't, you're like, it's such a weird world where you're like, where the fuck is this light source coming from? But that makes it extra eerie. <laughs> yeah. And then that sword comes out and that's just another vibrant color. And it's, it kind of washes out those, those vibrants as well. And I love that touch. Like, oh, I just think it's it like, yeah, it, it's almost like it's it's strange that when the, the, the sword lights up and all the coloring, it's like it becomes the one light source and it's literally it's creating the darkness that they're that the he's attempting to like push the vampires into through its like light source, which is yeah. really cool. I really like the also the one it's like one page where when he's like first pushing them towards the door. Mm -hmm. And you see him in the like metaphysical realm yelling, you know, like shouting at the top of his lungs. And then it cuts back to him 
over Simon's body on like this physical plane. And he's just like saying it. And even the words are like smaller in the word bubble. You get the impression that he's like almost like whispering it. Yeah. But then in this like other plane where he's fighting the vampires, he's screaming it. So it's like, I like that little contrast too. Just another good thing to like highlight the difference of like, it appears like not much is happening, but like spiritually a lot is happening. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think Benga might be blind? Um, I think because... in that panel, he's like closing his eyes. I don't know. I guess Trevor helps him walk, but I think he's, but he does leave I don't alone. think so. He does leave alone. He just has very, I like that he just, you cannot see his eyes until that moment. Like, yeah, I think he's just such a, he's like a wrinkly old man and just kind of like squished in. <laughs> I mean, he's certainly not blind when he's a younger man, depicted as a younger man. Yeah. I think there he's just like, it's almost like when you see in like movies, like somebody's eyes going into the back of their head or something like that. They're like concentrating so hard or like possessed by God or something like that. But I mean, even if he was blind, he probably has these mystical powers that guide him. He's like, yeah, I lost my eyes, but sure, I, can, yeah. I can still see it. I can still see everything because I fucking am tuned in. I like in that to hand big... too. Like the, it's this like nice, like textured wrinkly hand. Yeah. I like the palm just shows yeah. like definitely like, oh, you've, you've seen some stuff, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's a great. And I just like that lower. I mean, it just gives you in the midst of all that chaos in the other realm. It just places you as you already stated. But like, I love that it's from a down low, like almost in in Simon's point of view, if he was to open his eyes. Yeah. I really like that and gives space and presence to that, that moment and the internal moment as one. Totally. Yeah. And I, I don't know what that symbol is. I'd love if somebody could tell us if it's like some old like. I'm going to guess like Hebrew, maybe Arabic. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. But it's very cool. And I like this just fire off of it. So it's it's a cool it's a great it's a very um, a rewarding ending, but like surprising, too, because like I think you could you could argue that you probably expected them to be like, go in there and fucking save the day, blast the vampires and get out, you know? Yeah. And I like this was just like dire and was like broom states at the end is like, I didn't really want to do these the supernatural way, but I had to. His hand was forced. Yeah. And I liked that a lot. I like, too, that like the guy, Simon, like protesting that they're there working, you know. Helping. You mean Jacob? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Jacob. Jacob being him being angry and like insisting on going to the hospital, kind of implying that like Jacob thinks that once you're physically healed, you're okay. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. he's living with PTSD and having flashbacks from war. You know, it's like he's not acknowledging and he did, he didn't tell his story to the other guys. He's like not acknowledging how much like mentally has been how, how much of a toll mentally has been taken from him like he survived war and he survived this BPRD mission, but he's clearly not like there's some stuff that isn't can't be seen physically that he mm-hmm. needs to address. So yeah. it's interesting to have him be be the one to kind of protest the hardest against that. It's a great thing to call out because I think it, it's relatable to some like you can be a reader of these books and love them, but you can also in real life be like, I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all I think it's more than anything. It's like just uh, yeah, just how like you can be physically well, but mentally unwell and you can be, you know, 
somebody can say it's not like you can say about Hellboy that he's evil, but maybe there's good in him or maybe he's all good and can just be guided towards a good path mm-hmm. if he's helped. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's why we love Broom. Because totally, he yeah. does he does he doesn't give up on him. Yeah. And we're seeing that this is a great thing to to include in the past is like a moment where he he's in a sense, maybe he already thought about it, but it's great to have the story in a moment offer up where someone's literally verbalizing the choice. Do you keep going or do you kill him? Yeah. Making explicitly clear to the audience, like this has crossed his mind, you know? Yeah. And that makes him even better. And I like, I like him even more because he doesn't give in to that. Yeah. Very cool. Very good stuff. Great story. I can't wait to read the next one. I can't read to (laughs) to 1948. Yeah. Yeah. And it's again, back, like you said, it's great backstory that doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a retcon. It doesn't, but it, no, it doesn't yeah. like, it doesn't just like, here's how he got his, like his, his degree. Sure. Yeah. It's not <laughs> like, like stuff dry. that you're like, I don't give a shit. Like this is character based. Yeah. And it's still relevant to the like present of the story, you know? Yeah. Like that's cool that you could like, you contrast this with where he is now. Like we, we left Hellboy who's about to go into this insane army as the bloodline of Arthur with right. where it's like, well, it's good. You know, you're there. There's a part of me that goes like, well, you could say that if your dad killed you, you wouldn't have got here for better or worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. So it's great. Um, I want to point this out. This is something I caught while we were reading it just now again. Because um, of course we, I read it before we got on mic, but I, I wonder if this was purposeful, and it's something I like. If it was definitely purposeful, so in the right bef- when the same conversation that we've been talking about, Benga and Broom talking about pretty much killing Hellboy, he has this phrase, and he says to he says to Broom, Benga, he says, "And you need to know your enemy, for he has ten thousand different faces. Sometimes he will." War like a lion, but other times whisper like a dove. Never forget it's a war, Trevor. So why I want to point that out is what I love about this is that phrase, 10,000 different faces. And I'm very curious if they are, if Dizar and Mignola are specifically referencing within that, that phrase, um, the classic book by um, Joseph Campbell, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. I wonder if that's sort of a commentary like, there's this classic book, The Hero of a Thousand Faces. If you've probably heard about it, it's like a book just about mythology and so forth. But I love that they're, in a sense, I don't know if they're purposely doing it. They're saying, yeah, if the hero has a thousand faces, so does the villain. There's the yeah. villain with a thousand faces. And I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's a great, purposeful or not, I think it's a great way to reference this classic mythology, but then also put a... a, a Flip the coin on it. Totally. And it's like, yep, they, you know, don't forget the villains. <laughs> they're, they think they're their own heroes, too. Yeah. And just also, you know, being like, you know, you are seeing the good in someone who might be a villain, too. Yeah. Like with Hellboy. And then we oh. kind of talked about it before we started recording, but there are great sketches, like character designs and stuff like that in the back of this, like, big compilation issue. Including like a huge pinup sort of like drawing of the like vampires and broom and 
Koenig as in his owl form and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of great stuff in the in the back of this too. So definitely don't miss that. Yeah, that pinup is very cool. Yeah. Um so the 1947 sketchbook, it has a lot of cool stuff. Um anything you wanted to point out in addition to the pinup? Um there's a nice little black and white almost like watercolor looking drawing of Hellboy and Mac, his dog. Yeah. It's cute. Just adorable. Yeah. And then the character designs are always interesting. Yeah, you were you were talking about how like he, they very specifically were like wanting to make sure that those army men again they're not in uniform, they're not uniformic, they're just their own personalities. Yeah, well that's I guess like the artists were saying Mignola instructed them like to have them dressing in their like civilian clothes basically. Yeah, it's a very cool touch. A bit more like ragtag at this early stage. Yeah. I love this. There's two things that he they write about the the brothers. I think it's mostly Fabio that I'm reading. But when they talks about women and their like depiction, so first about he says about Katharina, the first sister that seduce or like not doesn't even seduce, just in, um, speaks with Anders and takes him to the chateau. He she he says when I first drew Katharina, Mike said he was she, Mike said she was too sexy for the time and place. So we included the sweater on top of her dress. And when they got to the castle, I had more fun with both girls. And I tried to make them similar enough to be sisters, but different enough so readers would not get not get confused. Yeah. And it's funny because the sketchbook in here, she just doesn't look. I mean, she's not showing a lot of skin. So it's funny that Mignola's like, too sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Put a sweater on that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like for the library, like late night at the library or something. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Can I mention something about that library, which I found odd? What's that? Is And I'm wondering if they were being played from the get-go. Like, like I found it interesting that... Anders went to that library and he was like, well, he made it so the library would be open up late for us. So when I heard that, when I read that language, I was, I assumed that like the library would be closed, but they would just have right, access. There wouldn't be other people in there. Yeah. But then there was other people there. And I was like, I wonder if this is all that whole part of the, the story is a little bit part of like the other world, like the van, like, yeah. Like it's all a, a illusion the same way that they kind of like, yeah, like kind of like entrance him later on. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering if it, if it began I at the library. Right. Some like evil <laughs> illusion <laughs> magic happening. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I love that there's these sketchbooks. Just all the character study stuff is really cool. Yeah. The, the only other thing I want to point out with, again, uh, them talking about drawing women, Gabriel, Gabriel and Fabio, they say, I didn't want Margaret to look like a hottie. <laughs> yeah. But she should have she sh but she should have her amount of charm. I looked at some Vivian Lee photographs and other old photos of women of the post-war era just to try cap to capture that right hairdo and clothes and came up with an attractive look based on all of that. And then of course there's the sketch of like Hellboy walking down the hall and he's like, Oh, drawing Hellboy, the burden. Dream or nightmare? Yeah. I bet it's hard. I bet, you know, that's like the character that you can't really fuck up. Yeah. And I bet you fans, if you do, it's like Get the pissed. biggest thing. They're going to be yeah. like, let's get online and rant about it. Yeah. <laughs> or just even to show Mignola and be like him to for Mignola to say, like, I don't like the way you draw Hellboy. That would be that would suck. Ooh, what a gut punch. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> Totally. Oh yeah, I I wanted to say too. You you brought up the that great pinup, but they they 
I love what they had to say in addition to that pinup. Um, they said, we were so excited to be working on a Hellboy comic. We really put all of our strengths into this pinup, even though at the time we knew little about the actual story or the characters. The only thing different from the actual comic is that Simon looks like a soldier in uniform on this image. That's all he was at that point, a soldier. And working with Dave Stewart is always a delight. He just he is just the best. There's no complete Hellboy experience without him. So it's cool that like yeah. that pinup was like like a bonus thing of just like an announcement or something to say we're now we're gonna do a story for the Hellboy universe. Mm-hmm. And that they were so just stoked about it. I love that. Totally. It's awesome. <laughs> it's very cool. I could keep going on. The storyline is just a good continuation of the beginnings of the BPRD. Do you have any other final thoughts? I, I was trying to think if I can recommend anything off of this. I mean, I already recommended Boys from County Hell last <laughs> time. I think that one's still really good. Do you have any recommendations? Any more vampire stuff? I don't have anything vampire stuff, but off of our conversation and you primarily bringing up like uh, the, 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 the whole Hellboy like dilemma, right? Of like him, people saying like, well, he'll be this and... But then going like, no, you know, no matter what, I'll just stick with him and give him a chance. Mm-hmm. It really makes me remind me of the movie Arrival uh, by Denny, Denny Villanueva, the same director as Blade Runner 2049. Uh, um, I'm forgetting this other movie, Prisoners, which I love. But he um, did you ever see Arrival? Um. It's like the one where these like big tripod aliens come arrive. Oh on yeah, Earth. with Amy Adams. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That one. I think cool. that. I think that movie plays into that. Uh, you know, a loose spoiler. Yeah. Like. Every, yeah. That reveals like th- these aliens have a gift and they share a gift of like pretty much premonition where you can see the future, mm-hmm. but then it's about coming to terms with knowing that, but then still going forward with what. You know what I mean? Something you can't stop because of love and so forth. And I think that really plays into plays into what we talked about with Broom and his love for Hellboy and so forth. So Arrivals a great great recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. So check out Arrivals, all I would say. Hell yeah. But I don't have anything else. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) Great. Well, um, (laughs) we'll uh, we'll wrap this up by saying, hey, listeners, we'd love to hear from you. We want to hear your final thoughts on this final chapter of BPRD 1947. Anything that we might have missed. Hey, tell us what that symbol is uh, on the door. Um, Recommend us some more vampire movies. Yeah, please. All the vampire movies. Um, But I would love to hear any of your thoughts, anything you'd like to share, something that we might have missed or a take that, you know, you'd like to give on on this early days of the BPRD. And just tell us how much you love that cute Hellboy. You know, a little cute little Hellboy. But you could do that by sharing and get your thoughts right here on the show uh, for us to discuss by emailing us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. Then you could also follow us on Twitter at awcraphellboy. Now, you can comment there, and we will do our darndest to reply to all any comments you have there, any direct messages you send us. But if you do want your thoughts on the show, you got to give us an email at awcrap, a Hellboy podcast at gmail.com. And we really would appreciate it. We love it when you get our, our wheels churning uh, <laughs> and our thoughts um, yeah. going. We do love that. But then also, if I could just ask you, if you have the opportunity to do on whatever platform you listen to us, please rate and review us. 
But if you go out of your way to go onto Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review that starts with the word BOOM, B-O-O-M, we will read that review right here on the show, praise you, give you all the love, and give you a big old shout out. We call that a BOOM review. So please, go onto Apple Podcasts, give us a BOOM review, help us bring more listeners to the show so we can get more great emails and keep us on our toes with your thoughts about Hellboy and and this entire universe. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But that's it, everyone. Um, We'll see you next week um, for another episode. But until then, remember... We love you! Just like little baby Hellboy. Blood's going slow. Sorry, folks. One Million Musicals presents This is the story of Nellie, who nobody knew A brand new musical full of magic and adventure I'm gonna cross the purple dragon sea And find somewhere a home for me Featuring 15 original songs and a stellar cast from across Broadway, film, and television. The Ballad of Nellie, who nobody knew. Now available wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.